Hey guys, you may have heard that we are trying to raise $15,000 by the end of the year so that we can do more Dad Tired conferences in a city near you. Uh, I personally believe out of all the things that we do at Dad Tired, this is the most impactful thing. We spend a day together talking about how the gospel radically transforms our hearts, our marriages, our parenting, and the way that we see ourselves at work. It truly is incredible stuff. I've seen guys give their life to Christ. I've seen guys crying. I've seen guys walk away feeling like they finally have an idea of what it looks like to be the leader of their home and they feel equipped to do it. It really is incredible stuff. The other cool thing that I love about it is that guys end up getting together. They meet other guys there who are like-minded and they end up building real friendships, real discipleship relationships come out of these conferences. Uh, If you believe in this, like if you hear this and you're like, man, we need more of this stuff in more churches, please would you consider giving to this cause? Everyone that gives a donation of $20 or more is going to get a free signed Dad Tired book. That's the newest book that we just put out. I'll sign that, ship it out to you. Be patient with me because I'm literally sending them from my kitchen table. So there's a lot of them. I'm trying to get them out. Uh, But you'll get a free signed book. And then if you give before December 18th, you will be entered in to win a $250 Amazon gift card to help out with some Christmas gifts this year. Uh, You can do all of this. You can learn more about it. You can donate. You can can figure out if you want to be part of this by going to dadtired.com forward slash Christmas. Again, that's dadtired.com forward slash Christmas. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. Before we dive in, I do want to thank my friends over at Policy Genius for sponsoring this episode. If you can believe it, It's already December, and as much as we love the Christmas season, this month can also be a bit stressful, too, at times, if we're honest. We've all got a long list of things to do for the holidays, and if life insurance is one of the things you know you should be doing, but it's way at the bottom of your list, Policy Genius might be able to help you cross it off. Policy Genius finds making the right life insurance a breeze. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. You could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy, they can also help you find the right home and auto insurance or disability insurance. So, if you need life insurance but aren't sure where to start, why not start at policygenius.com? It only takes a few minutes to find the right insurance policy, apply, and cross another thing off your to-do list. Policygenius.com. When it comes to life insurance, it's nice to get it right. Matt, super excited that you're here today. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Dad Tired Podcast. For those who may not be familiar with you, uh, tell us who you are and what you're up to these days, man. Yeah, so um, I used to be in a band called Sanctus Real that, uh, you know, we were a Christian band and toured and made seven albums with Sparrow Records. So that was kind of the first portion of my, uh, I guess, life uh, and being creative. And then a few years ago, I actually stepped away from all that to invest more in my family and some other things that me and my wife wanted to do together. And so in a season now of just kind of being open-handed day-to-day, project-to-project, and uh, using my gifts along with, with my wife and my family to do some some things that, that we believe in these days. So definitely different, but it's been a great ride. 
That's awesome, dude. I definitely want to tackle more of that stuff um, and kind of unpack a lot of what you just said there. Um, but right now, I want to kind of get into your book. I have been reading your book, Lead Me, which comes out in February. We'll make sure all the guys uh, have a link to go get a copy of that and pre-order copies of that. Um, but like a total side tangent, side note here. Um, have you ever heard of the comedian Nate uh, Bargatz? Bargatsky? I'm going to... Oh, yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> Nate Bargatsky. Yeah. Bargatsky. He's How a Nashville guy. Nashville guy, yeah. I think it's... How do you Bargazzi. say his last name? Bargazzi. Okay. He, have you heard his joke about hammocks? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've heard most of his jokes, yeah. Okay, so every time, good. every time I pick up your book to start reading it uh, and I see Matt Hammett, and he, I just cannot stop thinking about his hammock joke, which is just uh, – so I kind of like giggle every time. But for those who haven't heard it, I'll put the joke in. Like guys just need to listen to this joke. I went into one I was trying to buy – I was trying to buy a hammock. So I go in, I go back to where I imagine the hammocks live. And I went up to this guy and I was like, hey man, do you guys sell hammocks? And he was like, what's a hammock? And it threw me off enough that I was like, am I saying it wrong? I, asked, I was like, I think I'm saying it wrong because you know what it is. And I was like, is it hammock with a T? Does that sound right? Like, do you guys sell hammocks? And he was like, we're out of hammocks. We're out of them. It's hammock season. And I left, went to my car, Googled where to buy a hammock. And Google was like, do you mean hammock? It's uh, like, I sure do, Google. Where were you at during all of this? He's hilarious. He's like one of the very few clean comedians out there. Um, yeah, he's, he's actually, he's a believer. Yeah, I, I got that yeah, sense pretty- just from like, you know, yeah. watching him. But anyway, so I, I didn't, as that's a total like ADD tangent, but your book's awesome, dude. Oh, I, no, no. <laughs> but, oh, <laughs> fine, man. I'm all about the ADD tangent. So, uh, I, I love, and I do love Nate Bragazzi. We actually just played that for some friends of ours and they were over at our house. Yeah. It's, 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 nef- it's special. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you'd heard of it. Uh, that was risky for me to bring him up and the joke, but I'm like, I, knowing that you're from Nashville, that makes more sense. You've heard of him. <laughs> totally yeah well dude take us back to like the start uh i'd love to just kind of hear the whole story of you like wanting to be in a band that would tour around and kind of get some attention and have songs on the radio like take us from there all the way to where you are today and like all the i reading your book it sounds like there's some really heavy and significant like moments in the middle of all that that i want to unpack but maybe just start the story for us like you where where did this whole thing start you wanting to be in a band yeah so when i was a kid i was i was really anxious you know i mentioned in the book that uh i had the nickname the barf king because <laughs> i was so anxious and the littlest things would make me kind of lose my stomach hmm. and funny in hindsight but not so funny when you're uh you know the kid in the hallway and everybody's staring at you right. just all these kind of weird moment you know i just felt like i had these anxieties that maybe felt like other people didn't have and didn't really know where i fit in and something about music even at an early age just as a as a music listener i really felt it was like a safe haven for me and then when i moved into my teenage years my brother 
started teaching me how to play guitar. And I realized very quickly that I could take these chords that he was teaching me and use them as like a music bed to lay down thoughts and feelings and process, you know, what it was that was going on in my heart. Hmm. And so it moved from being just a music listener, obviously, to, to actually writing music. And so that opened up a whole new world for me. And when I was 16, I met this guy named Chris Roman at my high school. We went to this private Christian high school together and we were invited to start singing and, and playing in the band uh, on, in chapel services. And me and him kind of quickly figured out that we both loved to write songs. We started getting together on the weekends and playing some of our favorite songs together and writing new material. And it just started clicking. And so within a matter of a few months, we had this band, Sanctus Real, that we'd started. I'll tell you right now, like we never would have named it that if we would have known it was going to last because it's like <laughs> the most difficult name to say. Yeah. And I've spent my whole life explaining it to people, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm going to make you do um, it again. Like how, tell us how you came up with that name, which by the way, Alexa yeah. says it's Sanctus Real, which every time she does, I, I laugh. Uh, but yeah. How, oh, how'd, you I know. Guys, how'd you guys come up with the name? So once we were like, had our drummer who sort of three of us who were in the band, like the whole time, two of them are still in the band. Um, but Chris and then our drummer, Mark, we came to rehearsal, we needed a name, and Mark was like, hey, I found this word in the dictionary, I think it's, it's sanctus. Because, you know, he'd heard like sanctuary, sanctified. He didn't know that in Latin it was sanctus. <laughs> and so so he's like, sanctus, and one of the guys in the room was like, hey, let's add real, you know, we want to be real. And Okay, fine, cool, sanctus real, there it is. And the funny part about it, obviously, is people who know Latin know it's supposed to be pronounced, pronounced sanctus. But real could also be the Latin word real. So it's like the most confusing thing ever. Like it's like an English word with a Latin word. I mean, yeah, yeah. now I feel so dumb. Alexa say, had it right the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Sanctus real is the way we always said it. But how could you expect anybody to know until they ask, right? Yeah. Okay. So you guys came up with the name and you started playing like you, you, things are starting to like pick up uh, unintentionally, but you like have a little band form. Then what happened? Yeah. So we started this band. We're 16. By the time we graduated high school, um, some of the bands that we'd always looked up to, like bands like Audio Adrenaline, DC Talk, bands in the Christian market, um, were starting to reach out to us and say, Hey, we're starting these labels. You know, it was like the early days of Goatee Records and, um, Audio A had a label back in the day. And so they were like, hey, we want to sign your band. And we started talking with with them. And at that time, we were kind of really facing which direction we were going to go because we had a bunch of mainstream agencies interested as well. So we kind of held off and prayed about what our vision would be. And once we realized we definitely did want to pursue being a Christian music band, um, for that industry we, we just we just started getting all these calls it was like as we prayed through it god just started opening the doors and making it very clear to us the direction we're supposed to go so at the age of 21 we signed a record deal i also got married that same year wow and yeah so like congratulations honey we're married the honeymoon was awesome now we jump in a van with a bunch of dudes and hit the road <laughs> yeah yeah so and she so she came that, with you yeah, so 
you know, we made our first album, Say It Loud, uh, came out at the end of 2001, and we went on tour with, I mean, really almost any tour you could imagine that you could do in Christian music. We hopped on at some point, and um, she rode along with us for the first four years of our marriage, helping out with merchandise, and until um, she got uh, pregnant with our, our, our first baby, and it wasn't healthy for her to be on the road anymore. And so she she went home and and uh, and we continued on from there. But that was really when this really present struggle, and I think it's a struggle that that all husbands and fathers feel is like I've got this career dream, I've got this family dream, and now they're at odds with each other. And so you know how do I how do I balance this? Is there balance? How do I live this out? And well, how do I be a good singer and songwriter and frontman for a band but then how do i be a good husband and father and so this this tension really became thick between us and we were already you know dealing with a lot of issues and the fact that she was out on the road with me with these other guys there was no privacy no space for intimacy no space to hash it out when we needed to so we already had kind of a rocky foundation when it came to our communication, especially in conflict. Mm. And so now we're adding the kids to the mix and now she's not even with me on the road. It's a very difficult season for mm. us and for our marriage. Wow. Wait, was there a moment where you like knew like, Oh geez, this is not like my marriage isn't in a good spot right now. Oh yeah. I mean, there were moments I would say, you know, for almost a decade, before I made the decision to actually leave the road to be home. Um, but one of the things that happened was about an hour before a concert and the whole band is in the bus and my wife, Sarah and I are like having one of the worst arguments of our lives. Mm. I was sick. She was sick. And we just were like, not in a good place yeah. at all. Yeah. And so she says to me, um, I already talked to my dad and mom. I already called my brother to help me. I'm, I'm moving your stuff out to the studio. We have this studio like in the backyard of this separate building. And she said, I'm moving everything out. When you come home, I don't want you to come back to the house. I want you to come back to the studio and we'll figure out what to do from there. Mm. Leading up to that argument, there was nothing inside of me that would have thought we were at that place. Mm. And I was just like taken so off guard by it. And I remember turning my phone off and I kind of got that feeling. I got real stubborn and I said, you know what, if, if you're going to be this way and not hear anything I have to say and tell me you don't want me to come home, I'm just going to, I'm going to turn my phone off. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to turn it back on for the rest of the weekend. Mm. And, and I throw it in my bunk. I go to the front lounge and I tell the guys like, you'll never believe it. I'm, I'm like in tears. Like, I had this conversation with Sarah. She doesn't want me to come back home. I mean, I don't know if she's saying like, she's separating from me. This is, this is horrible. They prayed with me. Like everybody was so heavy. I had to go on stage and like pretend like everything was great for an hour and a half. Mm. And after the night's over, we go back on the bus and our drummer, Mark, who is an awesome friend in this way, the guy, the kind of guy that really does know how to speak the truth and love. He says, dude, don't, don't be a jerk man up and turn your phone back on. Don't play that game. Mm. So I turn my phone back on 
the first text that comes through would have come in through uh, five minutes after I turned my phone off. And all it said was, I love you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Oh, geez. Wow. And I'm like, thinking to myself, man, if I just wouldn't turn my phone off, I would have like spared myself the embarrassment of like going up and like pouring my heart out to the guys, <laughs> yeah. you know, tell them this yeah. horrible thing. And then having to go on stage and do this show, being miserable, stewing in my, all my feelings and frustrations. Um, but, and, and we talked later and we realized a few, a few things. I hesitate to say this, but it caused us to get to the bottom of a couple of things. Yeah. Um, the, the the first thing is that we realized in that moment that, um, you know, we weren't feeling good and we just shouldn't have like even allowed ourselves to get to that point in the conversation. We should have like stepped away, taken a break, calmed down, and we could have just got our heads together. Right. Um, secondly, we realized like, okay, maybe we're not in the place that's in our relationship right now where this would have happened. Um, typically but there's something at the root of this happening even though we were kind of laughing about it later or like there's something there that's really serious that we need to figure out that we could have gotten to that point hmm. um to say those things to each other and one of the things also that we talked about funny enough was we looked at looked at just our pattern of fighting and my wife came to me and she says you know I've been looking at like some of these really bad fights we've been having over the past couple of years. And as far back as I can remember, every one of those fights has been four weeks apart. Hmm. That's, <laughs> and, that's super interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's super interesting. And, I, it, and it's scary to say that because you can't say like, as a guy, I am in no way saying like that the natural cycle of things <laughs> Um, <laughs> right. is at fault for right. all the problems we were having because right. it definitely wasn't. Right. But part of me also thought, am I such an idiot that I'm so not in tune right. with just, something so simple about life to it. Yeah. that I'm just not sensitive to something so obvious that everybody tells you to be sensitive that he or she is having all these feelings and I'm just like fighting like it's world war two right. trying to stake my claim and make my case still like that. I haven't learned as a husband, how to just step back and be aware of not only her emotions, but like other right. elements right. that, right. Right. that we should be in tune with. I mean, I really felt kind of stupid to be honest. How I was like, man, like, so at this point I was in my early thirties. Okay. And how and, long had you been but married? But I'd already been married for over a decade. Wow. And 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 I was like, man, how have I not figured something so stupid out? Yeah. And then for for me to like allow my frustrations and my anger to get so out of hand to contribute to some of these these arguments and some of these this this conflict, um, for me not to be a better leader when it comes to learning how to live with her you know as the bible would say in an understanding way and to be patient and kind with my words and not to be frustrated um you know regardless of how i feel her tone may be with me or the way she may approach her feelings being hurt or the way she might approach a conflict like how have i not learned to be patient enough with her that 
I would be able to, as her leader, divert that conflict to a healthy place. And so it really honestly wrecked me. Hey guys, I want to take a quick minute to thank my friends over at HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode. With HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit, you can get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook and enjoy. HelloFresh makes cooking delicious meals at home a reality, regardless of how comfortable you are in the kitchen. You can say goodbye to endless grocery store trips and take out food because HelloFresh has you covered. There's something for everyone, from family recipes to calorie smart and vegetarian and a fun menu series like Hall of Fame and Kraft Burgers. HelloFresh has more five-star recipes than any other meal kit, so you know you're going to get something delicious. You can easily change your delivery days, your food preferences, and skip a week if you need. They are extremely flexible. Just this week, the family and I had the crispy Parmesan chicken, which was voted the best meal in 2019. So, so good. Definitely have to try that one out. You can get nine free meals with HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com forward slash Tired9. That's the number nine. And use the promo code Tired9. Again, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash Tired9 and use the promo code Tired9 to get nine free meals with HelloFresh. She came in when you just got signed. And then at that point, you had been in it for 10 years. Where were you at as a band? Yeah, so... We, at that point, were really kind of at the point where Lead Me, which was our biggest song, which, funny enough, you know, is about being a better right, husband and right, father, right. Um, had really taken off. So we were experiencing like the height of our career um, following all that. And so it was, it was Lead Me is such an irony, the song, you know, that, that shares this book title um because i wrote that song about seven years into my marriage when sarah first came to me and just said hey i need you to i need you to be more emotionally and spiritually strong for us and i need you to learn how to to be more understanding with me and and my feelings beyond providing financially i need you to provide spiritually and emotionally for me and for our kids and her words like just impacted me so deeply i realized you know in that moment that i'd had all these intentions of being this great man and my internal dialogue in my own imagination had defined me Mm. now i tell people i this is like maybe the best way i can describe that like I bought this this workout ball. It's like one of these little like squishy balls, like you know, that's kind of like an octagon. It's black with yellow writing on all the flat surfaces. And you're yeah. supposed to like toss it on the ground. It tells you what to do. And and so like the best way I can describe this feeling is, I I when I bought this this ball, I it rolled out of a grocery bag in the backseat of my car, and it stayed there for like two months. <laughs> So this thing I bought to like assist me in working out, like just sitting <laughs> in my back seat. Right. I see it every day and facing me is like the writing, you know, what, 30 push-ups. In my mind, every time I see that workout ball, every time I see 30 push-ups, I'm killing it in my mind. <laughs> right, right. Like I'm I'm envisioning myself doing these push-ups. And then, you know, I'm like, oh man, it's been a couple months. I need to take this thing. I need to use it. I take it in the house. It's in my mud room for another two months. 
and sit-ups is facing me. And I, every time I walk by it, I see sit-ups. And in my mind, I'm envisioning myself doing these sit-ups and I'm just getting ripped on all these good intentions, right? Yeah. In my own mind. Right. But nobody else can see what's inside of me. So nobody else is seeing the results. It's just all in my head. Yeah. And so um, it was the same way in my marriage. It was like, I had all these ideas, all these intentions. In my mind, I'm imagining like, I'm going to open that Bible more. And I see myself in my mind opening my Bible. I'm going to pray with my wife more. I'm going to pray with my kids more. And in my mind, I'm imagining this thing, almost de defining myself by those intentions. But my wife or my kids can't read my mind or my intentions. And my intentions are absolutely worthless to them until they become action. Action is based on the reality of what they need to feel love. And that was the huge, uh, I guess, like uh revelation that I had the day that I wrote leave me, I felt like God really gave that to me. And that started this journey of moving from being a man of good intentions to a man of action in my home and in my marriage. And the irony of all of it is that the very song I wrote out of that experience about being a more present husband and father went on to be the biggest song of our career and pulled me away from home and pulled me away from my marriage even more. Jeez. I want to dive into that. But before we go there, like one of the things you said in the book is the man I thought I was and the man my wife perceived me to be were two completely different people, which is really what yes. you just said there, which is, I thought was so powerful. I think there's so many dudes like myself included who can relate to what you just said. Like I, in my mind am like, there's so many times where I feel bitter. Uh, I can see, I can feel like bitterness creeping in towards my wife uh, or in my marriage, and and that is rooted in the thought that like I'm a good husband, like I'm doing my thing, and it's and so much totally. of it is just like what I'm perceiving myself and my own intentions. Uh, and I love the, that analogy; is super helpful because I, in my mind, I've done the thirty sit ups and push ups, you know, when it comes to like marriage stuff, but I actually haven't done them at all, um, and I'm. I'm wanting her to view me based on how I perceive myself or my intentions, not what I do. But yeah, dude, that was, yeah, a, that's a, that's a hard one to swallow. I think a lot of dudes are there. Yeah. Henry cloud talks about the courage to meet the demands of reality. Hmm. And I always love it when he writes about that issue, because it is so true that it takes so much courage to look at the reality of who you really are at any given season of your life. And be able to look at yourself and see the areas where you need to grow and accept that you're not that person you want to be and be able to take the action steps to move forward and make those improvements with God's help. Um, but I think, yeah, embracing that truth about yourself is the hardest thing, or one of the hardest things that a man can do on this journey. Yep, yep. There was a, there's another thing that you said in that same chapter I thought was interesting when you're talking about writing that song, like you, your wife, you, you told the story in the book where you were home, you had only been home for like a day and a half kind of in between shows and tours. And, uh, your wife came and said that she feels lonely when you're gone and lonely when you're home, just because you're not present. Yeah. And, um, again, that was another, like, just as I'm reading these words, it's, you know, it's daggers in my own, like punches to my own gut. Um, just like convicting of my own self. But so I'm, I'm he hearing that story. And then 
she asked you to come to the kitchen or it sounds like you guys sat at the table and she basically says like, you know, we got to figure this out because I'm, I'm alone here. You're not present at all. Your head's always somewhere else. And then she walked away and that's when you wrote the song, Lead Me. And I love what you said in the next part because it was so uh, humble. You said you'd kind of brought her back in to like show off the song and she just kind of gave this like, courtesy nod like yeah that's nice but she was over songs and words like she wanted actions uh which i just thought was so humble of you man because so many people i'm sure you could have told that story so differently like i wrote this song my life and marriage was changed my wife i was swept my wife off her feet but you still kept it real like no she she didn't want a song she like she wanted she wanted me and like actually for things to change i, I thought that was super cool yeah Man, she, well, she's, she's awesome. She's taught me a lot about being vulnerable and being real. She doesn't accept, uh, fluffy answers for things. And she's really influenced me a lot in my life in that way, you know, from being a guy who thinks I have to present myself as perfect to realizing like the power of vulnerability. And I've always known it, but she's kind of pushed me to the next level. That's something funny with her that goes along with that is women will come up to me and ask me or her like, you know, what did you say to Matt on that day? He wrote, lead me, you know, like they think I'm going to like hand them this key to their husband's heart with the right words, you know? And I always tell them, I'm like, Hey, if you were to ask Sarah what I said that day uh, or what she said that day to me, she would say, well, I don't really remember because I think I told him a thousand times before and he didn't listen. (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. you know, but the truth, but the truth of that is like so present for so many people, like how long does it take us to hear these things and take it to heart? Um, but I did ask her later, I said, you know, tell me like the best way you can, you know, what was it that you really wanted from me? If you could say it again, you know, and, and one of the biggest things for her, it was that presence. Like, you know, I want you to be mentally present and emotionally strong. And I think that picture in James of like this double-minded man who's, you know, thrown back and forth on the waves, that kind of felt like it was me. And something that she also said, she's like, I want you to be um, like, like the captain of our ship, like confidently steering our ship. And it reminded me of that verse Mm. um, because a lot of times we are, we're tossed by our own emotions, but our wives are relying on us to be anchored in the truth and to be anchored in, you know, our identity in Christ so that we can lead them strongly and speak truth and life into situations when they're looking to us to bring stability into the relationship. And instead, I just felt like every time she'd come to me with, an emotion, it would like just rock me all over the place because it made me feel so unsteady because I wasn't confident in who I was as a leader because I wasn't really tapped in or anchored in to, you know, what God had for me in the way that I should have been. Dang, man, that's a good, that's a good word. Um, let's fast forward a little bit in the story. So that moment happens, you write the song, you kind of, you start to, your heart starts to soften up. You even talked about in the book where like, you were trying not to be defensive and argumentative, but you're really trying to be present to what she was saying. You really, then you ask like, what, what would it look like for me to lead? You write this song that everyone's heard of lead me about, you know, being the 
present for your wife and kids. And then you say things take off. And now ironically, you're even less present physically and maybe even emotionally than you were before because, uh, you know, things are happening so much because of the song and the band. Like then what happens? Where where do you go from there? Yeah. So a big turning point for us is around the same time, all the success was hitting and lead me was taken off. We, uh, had our third son or our our third child who was our first boy actually and his name was bowen and he was actually born with severe congenital heart disease and so he had to have two open heart surgeries within the first six months of his life wow and out of all that in the middle of all of this touring i'm trying to now not only juggle just growing in our marriage relationship and growing as a father to the two little girls I already had. But now I've got a third kid who's in the hospital for almost four and a half months, two open heart surgeries. Um, and it is just so uh, heavy, the whole situation. And so what happened after all that, as we were recovering, my wife and I started to learn about the effects of grief on a marriage. You know, the divorce rates with uh, couples that either lose children or have kids with chronic disease are so through the roof. And I really understand why now, because what happened is we went through this season of grieving separately. My grieving was like, hey, I need to step away from this for a moment to get a breath, to journal about it and write about it, or, you know, just to process it. Her way of grieving was like, I'm right there by his side every step of the way, 24 hours a day, fully in to this battle. Um, and so what was happening is I was like, hey, I need you to step away for a minute and be my wife and my friend and grieve with me and process with me. And she was like, well, I need you to step up and be a man mm-hmm. and fight this medical battle at my side 24 hours a day for our son. And we started actually resenting the way that the other grieved, putting an even bigger grief between us. Uh, which was the grief that we couldn't grieve together and actually started growing contempt towards one another. And I mean, I, I don't want to get too off track here. I don't know how much time we have, but, but one of the biggest lessons through all of this for me was during that time, thank God he pre- protected me from any kind of romantic affair. But there was someone in my life who was older than me, who was of the opposite sex, who I started confiding in and getting an emotional attachment with. And I started allowing that person to speak life into that place of grief. And in return, I was like sharing my thoughts and feelings, started becoming almost like codependent on this person who was helping doing management with our group. And and Sarah the whole time was getting more and more upset because she could see it. But I was like, no, this is amazing. God set you know, this person to help with my business and help me as a friend and this person's a godsend. Um, what I realized later is that she was right, that it was a destructive situation. Again, God protected me from certain aspects that I've seen many men go through of, uh, you know, physical or romantic affairs, but there are a lot of different kinds of affairs. Hmm. And when we go through these seasons, like, I mean, you know, there's material affairs, career affairs, family affairs, 
emotional affairs. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways that our hearts stray from where God has, in, has, and you know, the, what God's invited us into. And, and, and for me, I took part of the cherishing love and connection that was meant only for my wife in the context of our marriage relationship. And I allowed this confiding uh, and emotional dependency on somebody besides my wife to drain the well of cherishing love that I had for her. That was intended only for her. And the effects of that were just so deep and so painful. But God taught me through all that started. He used that to start revealing to me some things about myself, my own selfishness, and my lack of stepping up to learn how to protect and and provide in ways that I hadn't manned up to do yet, and how to set boundaries and guardrails around my family and my wife and my own heart. And I just started praying that God would show me how to be a better man, how to be a better husband, even more, not just sing about it, not just want to be the better man, but really like, again, the next level of like taking these intentions and putting them into action. And through all that, God started laying it on my heart that it was time for me to set aside this dream that I had had for a career in music and the way that I had always envisioned it, to use my gifts in a context that were healthy for my family. Hmm. And that's really when I made the hard decision a couple of years after that, as, as we made it through that process, um, step away from the only thing I'd known my entire life from the age of 16 to 36. Wow. All I knew was Sanctus Real. And now God was calling me very clearly in my heart. I knew it. He was calling me to step away and to stop singing those words so much and actually live them. Wow. How long ago was that? So the situation that I was telling you about was like right around 2011, so eight years ago now. Yeah. When, when did you step down from, from the band? So I made that decision at the end of 2014. So just within, you know, two to three years of when all that happened, I was kind of making that decision. And then my last show was in February of 2016. Wow. So not that long ago, like, where are you now? I mean, obviously, you're still working and figuring out what it looks like to be a husband and man that God's called you to. But just like, it, I guess just give us an update on like life now for you as a husband and dad and what marriage looks like. Yeah. So the reward that has come from following that call um, to move into this new season of life has been I mean, honestly, really incredible. Like, obviously, when I left, like, I didn't know what things were going to look like. I was like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to provide for my family financially yeah. or, like, what, you know, what, how God is going to use me. But it's been more rewarding, honestly, than I ever could have imagined. And one of the things, a couple of things that happened was almost right when I stepped out, I had Bob Lapine, who uh, works with an organization yeah. called Family Life, yeah. call me. And he said, hey, man, would you consider being part of our Family Life speaker team and speaking a few times a year uh, throughout these uh, weekend to remember 
marriage conferences that Family Life puts on. And so my wife and I actually ended up like like joining the team for that, something that that we could really get behind together, you know, and, and use the, our message and platform to, to to share with others what we were learning. And then um, a year after that, uh, Kirk Cameron actually called me, funny enough. Mm. Who I, didn't re- I didn't really know Kirk. And he said, hey, would you want to be part of these events just once a month, go out with me for four days and do this marriage and parenting event? And in the meantime, you know, I, I was writing songs for other artists in Nashville, even though I wasn't touring. Um, but so I was being able to be creative in the studio during the weeks, be home with my family. Um, even though I didn't tour it, I made an album of my own, um, with some of the songs that I'd written. But then in the meantime, I could kind of still get out and use some of those gifts of speaking and singing in a context that was really healthy and in a, and in a time, in time frames that were really healthy for me and my family. So it was just interesting. God not only gave me kind of a whole new, uh, piece of of a ministry through using this platform to speak on men's ministry and marriage and fatherhood, but then still allow me to, you know, use my musical gifts and then invest in other artists through through songwriting. And um this event I do with Kirk is really great because I get to do all the things I love. I get to lead a little bit of worship. I get to sing some of my own songs and I get to share um some of my story. And so just the ways that God's allowed me to kind of use all my gifts in this really amazing context to encourage other guys. Like I, I, I really try so hard not to take that for granted. Yeah, um, I really love this season of life. That's amazing, man. Uh, I'm so grateful that you like just, I know that we only scratched the surface, but that you really kind of opened your heart and shared pieces of your story for the guys. I know there's going to be just a ton of guys who like listen to your story and they can relate at some level um, of just feeling like uh, there's so many things you said that I think guys will relate to, whether it's being emotionally absent, whether it's, you know, the numerous types of affairs that you talked about, whether that's work or emotional, romantic, whatever. But like, I guess what, what would you say to a guy listening right now who just feels like he's in that spot that you were several years ago where he felt like, man, I'm not leading my family well at all right now, but I really want to. Like, is there anything you'd want to say to that guy? Yeah. Well, first I want to say you're not alone. Every man struggles with this battle of like, is there balance between career dreams and family dreams? And in the grind of life, uh, it can be so hard, even when you find a, a good rhythm or a good season to like, just stay anchored there. And so, you know, I would say number one, like be realistic in the sense that as much as we want to be perfect, obviously we'll never be. As much as we, um, you know, think we're in a season of like where we got it all going right, like there will be another mountain to climb. And don't be discouraged by that. Like it's going to be this process every single step of the way. But one of the things that I've learned really, I mean, again, with my wife's help, um, She's, she's really so good with, with communication, but she also won't take my crap. She calls me out, you know, <laughs> yeah. which I, I, I hate, I hate it, but I love it too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I need it. Um, it's just pride, man. Like I, I can honestly say like the, one of the, the things that 
our desire to be respected as men is so innate. Um, but I keep going back and remembering over and over and over what the Bible tells us about Christ's example, him being God, setting aside his rights, right? Because we're always about our, our rights in marriage. Like, oh man, you know, we would the right to, to, to be spoken to this way or treated this way, or maybe we think we're working really hard and we can't deal with this thing or that thing. And, and, but Christ laid down what he, what his rights were to serve us. And that really is meant to be what we reflect to our wives in this marriage relationship. And I think that learning to lay down our pride, it's those moments where we're so tired. We're so overwhelmed. We're like just needing a breath of fresh air and our wives or our kids come to us with something heavy and we just want to throw, throw our hands up and get frustrated. But it's in those moments where we can get the small victories and we take that breath and we just pray for patience and we open our ears and we open our hearts and we take any defensiveness or pride that we have, we set it aside. And we're, and we're able to just open our arms and create a safe place for our wives and children to be loved and known, um, regardless of what difficulties we're going through. That's the place where I've found most joy and the most health in my marriage. That's the place where my wife and I have learned to be best friends, um, where my kids have felt the joy of knowing a father. Um, if you can get those little moments in a day, you're making some really, really big wins. And when you're not having the wins, just know you're not alone, man. Cause, <laughs> cause it's a struggle for all of us, but, but be, being willing to also, yeah, you know, I'll say one more thing. And this is, this is, I, I don't want to take too much time here. I'm sorry. No, man. This is but, <clears throat> yeah. One more thing I'll say is, um, I used to have this woe is me mentality, like, oh man, woe is me. I'm never going to get this right. It's like, I just can't be, you know, I'm trying so hard and I don't seem to like make the progress I want to make. Um, and my buddy, Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North, one time years and years ago, I said something to him about this and he's like, it's like, man, you know what? Uh, there's two different kinds of pride. There's a pride that, is an obvious ego that says, Hey, I don't need you. I don't need anybody. I can do this. I'm, I've got it all together. And then that, that's a pride that obviously says, Hey, I'm, I've got this on my own. But he said, there's a, another form of pride that disguises itself as humility that says, woe is me. I just can't do it. I'll just never get it right. And, and on that side of the coin, you're also saying it's all about me. Mm. it's all about me. <laughs> wow. I was the guy that thought I was saying, Oh, it's just, you know, it's humility. No, I was saying that, that it was all about me because I can't do it. Cause it's all about me. No, it's like God has given us everything we need in the power of the Holy spirit. And through, you know, his word to allow us to find the victory that we need in his strength, not our own. And it's actually very clear that it's in our weakness that he is strong. So bring what you have to him. And, and I promise, listen to my voice. I would say to those guys, there's so many voices in culture 
that demean our role as fathers and husbands and as men in this culture, but celebrate what, not what you have to do, celebrate what you get to do. And I, I just want to say very clearly, amidst all the voices that say you can't, you can, you can be the man that God has called you to be. I believe in you. God has called you to it. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I know it's cliche, but it's true. And so I hope that encourages somebody out there. Bro, Matt, this is so good, man. Um, you have brought me closer to Jesus in just this short conversation. And I know you've probably brought a lot of other guys closer to Jesus as a result of just sharing your heart and pointing us back to the gospel and truth. Uh, I'm thankful, man. I'm thankful that you decided to hang out with us and carve out some time. It means a lot to me, man. Thank you. Oh, dude, absolutely. I'm so grateful you had me on. And I got to give a shout out to my buddy, Andrew, who, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago <laughs> and said, like, you got to get on this podcast. So I'm glad he brought you to my attention because I've enjoyed. I've actually been listening uh, to some episodes and just really have enjoyed what I'm hearing. So uh, thanks, I'm man. really grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, Andrew, thank you, man. I know you're probably listening. And I met Andrew at a conference, a dad tired conference that we did. So I'm thankful that he was kind of played matchmaker for us and we had a chance to meet. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you, bro. I look forward to staying in touch and watching how God continues to use you. Also, I want to say before we close out here, uh, we both have a mutual friend in David Robbins, uh, president of Family Life. And uh, I know that you are a speaker yeah. at um, at these uh, Weekend to Remembers uh, events. And I just want to encourage all of you guys who are listening, if your marriage, regardless of where your marriage is at, whether you feel like you're thriving or in your crisis mode, these Weekend to Remember events are so good. Um, this isn't an, an ad. I'm not getting paid anything to say this. Uh, I just wanted to bring it up because Matt brought it up and I know he's part of it, but they're just such great events. So you can find that they're all over the country, uh, even the world. Uh, and so you can just type in your state or zip code or whatever and find one near you, but you should definitely check one of these out. They're really, really good. But Matt, yeah, thank you. Powerful. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Uh, I, I look forward to staying in touch. Hopefully we can uh, meet in person sometime. And uh, I feel like, again, we only scratched the surface of all the things you have to share. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes for you guys to go pre-order this book. It will be out in February, um, but it's really, really good. You did such a great job with the book, man. But thank you again. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Jared. Leave